Welcome to our second special audio-only episode of Sim Sundays. Now, this is also a first. I'm not in my spare room at home in Newcastle. I travel to London, and I'm currently stood in the Canadian Embassy, which is bizarre. But we're at a, a D-Box Media event, and our guest today has been generous enough to give up some of his time to tell us about the journey into sim racing and his role at D-Box, as well as giving us a little bit of in inside details into what today uh, was all about. So. For those that don't, don't know, Stefan, what is D-Box? So D-Box Technology is a Canadian company based in Montreal. We have an office in LA also and in China. Uh, and, and we're global leader in Aptic Technology. Aptic Technology is everything that is related to motion, texture, and vibration. So we, what we do is we enhance experiences in different fields. So in sim racing, for instance, obviously we're adding the motion in a rig, uh, in sim racing rig. In theatrical, we're adding movement in the movie, and, and this movement is synchronized with the movie itself, with the action, with the, with the sound. We're also involved in simulation and training, and so on and so forth. Uh, so all we do is, is, the, is providing or enhancing experience and providing immersion in different types of, uh, of experiences. Yeah, and after today, obviously watching the, the presentation up on the stage, I got the impression that there's a huge amount of science behind all of this. And I really want to get into that because there's a term that you used just then and there was a term that you used during the speech today, which was texture. Now, yeah. texture to me, yeah. I'm trying to translate that into movement, but we're going to get to that. Yeah. I'd like to know a little bit more um, about yourself. So I did a bit of stalking, as I always do for all of our guests. So I went through yeah. your incredibly interesting CV yeah. and you worked as a director or a vice president of marketing and then a director or vice president of product at various different communication and tech companies around the world. Yeah. But it always seems to alternate. But then I noticed that in D-Box, you did the same thing. So in 2020, you were vice president of marketing and communications. And then in May this year, you became vice president of product and brand. So it's communications, product, communications, product. So tell us a bit about your journey. Yeah. In fact, it's a bit even more complicated than that. I have a bachelor degree in finance. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so I started my career in finance. And after five, six years, I realized uh, that the action was really more <laughs> in marketing and product management. And I really started my career, I really started marketing as a product manager. So became product manager for a telecommunication company. Uh, and at that time, I was in charge of the uh, long distance portfolio. If you go back 30 years ago, <laughs> if you remember, you might <laughs> probably be too young for that. But Just. at some point in time, <laughs> we were paying for long distances. So I was in charge of, of that. I became product manager for that portfolio, which is basically number crunching, so which was not really close from uh, uh, where I studied. And, uh, and that's really how it started. So I, I, all of my career was in product management, product development, or marketing and communication. But all the time, it's related to product. Corporate also, but really more to product. Um, telecommunication company. I would say at the international level also, probably the last 20 years at the international level. Um, and then uh, before joining D-Box, I, uh, in fact, I, I was part of the management and we, we bought uh, the division of a French company called Sagemcom. And that company was providing um, 
secure file exchange solution, and we were most well known for our PAX over IP solution. <laughs> <laughs> and don't laugh, because that business, we grew it from, let's say, 12 million to 45 million in five years. In the fax. In the fax industry, seriously. <laughs> uh, because in the States, especially, especially so there's a, there's a lot of sectors that are still using fax because the systems are in place, they're working really well, and you don't want to, to change them. Wow. So in the, uh, for instance, in the healthcare sector, all of the hospitals, uh, drugstores and all of that, they communicate through with, with fax. It's, it's still the, the safest way to communicate confidential information securely. So it's, that's why, and, and fax is, is not the fax machine that you, you think it is with paper mm -hmm. and all of that. You can send us a fax from, a, from a, an application on your iPhone or like, if like you, you were sending uh, an email, but instead it's using the, the fax technology. Uh, so we grew that we grew that business, and and we we were lucky enough to to sell it, and then uh, I was I was retired at home, and at some point in time, uh, my wife said, "Okay, you need to do to do something else. <laughs> you need you to can't, leave. yeah, you can't stay home. You're too young, and I'm fed up of seeing you." Uh, this was this was during the COVID, so she was working from home. And then uh, I said, okay, perfect, I'll try to, to find something else. And then I, I, I for, let's say, by, by a, a lucky hazard, I, I, I ran into uh, Sebastian, which I knew from, from the past. And then he said, well, we have a really nice project at Dbox. We want to really grow the company. I said, okay, let me try to understand a bit. And then I've decided to, uh, to, to join Dbox. So that's how, that's how it happened. But all of my career has been in telecommunication and iTech or software. So. so Tell us a little bit about that process. You said you needed to get to know DBox. You wanted to look into it a little bit. Yeah. What What was it when you were looking at DBox that you thought, yeah. okay, yeah, I, I could do this? Because it's it does stand out on your CV yeah. in terms of all the products that you've that you've got behind and you've yeah. marketed. Yeah. This one stands out. It's a little bit different. Yeah, it's in fact what what because I, I used to work for. I used to try to sell the the let's see the less sexiest product in the world. Yeah, <laughs> being the facts. And now I'm selling. Let's say the coolest product in the world, or I'm in one of the most sexiest industries. So yeah, and I've just I've just been on the product, and I can say it's pretty sexy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's really sexy, as you say. So, but but um, I'm a I'm I'm not an entrepreneur. I'm an intrapreneur. I like to build things. I like to make things happen. And what I, I found in Dbox uh, is the fact that the technology is there, the market is there. And, and the challenge was really more to take to market, to get organized in, in, in product management, product development, to put in place processes and so on and so forth. And, 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 and these are things that I've done in the past throughout my career. And uh, so that's basically why I've decided to, to join DBus because it's something that I've already done. And with all the experience that I have, I think it's easier for me to do it now I can get faster, I can, and, and all of those challenges that have been through, I know how to go through them now. Mm. So, and, and, I'm this, and I'm at the end of my career. So, and, and I've already said that I'm leaving in a couple of years. I was retired and I decided yeah. to come back. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I'm, 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 so I'm here for a couple of years and I'll put in place these, the, the platform. I, I, will, I will have the people and the organization uh, up to the level I think that it needs to be, and then I'll, I'll be leaving. But that's really what excited me, is to put in place all of that platform, the people, form them, and, and, and make sure that when I would, I would leave, everything would be, it's in, the house would be really clean. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, and, and it, it sounds not necessarily a challenge, okay, because you've got a great product that you're trying to sell. So it's an, one of the, you're not selling radiators, right? You're selling yeah. something that's really exciting. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, you're vice president of brand as well as product. Yeah. Now, the product itself has got so many different uses. Yeah. So there's, there's gaming and then there's, there's cinema. And you, you, know, you had a list of about 10 different ways that you yeah. could use your product. Yeah. That must come with its own challenges, right? If you're trying yeah. to create a brand, because each of those different sectors yeah. will react differently to yeah. a single given brand identity, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Well, the value proposition from one industry to another is different, you're right. Uh, but the, the common thread is always the same. It's experience. So we provide a great experience. So we want to en enhance an experience. But 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 yeah, that's yeah, that's 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 true. That's it's the fun of it, right? Yeah, that's <laughs> the fun of it. But the the real challenge in working at Dbox is is to make people understand what it changes, what the mm -hmm. aptic is changing in the experience. And it's really difficult to describe that. Describe that in words. Not easy. You really have to go to a theater, sit in a in a movie, watch Top Gun in D box. Seriously, right? It's, yeah, it's, I bet. It's, I bet. It's, no, but it, <laughs> and you bet. It's it's seriously. It's all of the movies that I've seen. That one is probably the best movie in, that yeah. you must see in D box. All those planes chasing each other, the shares moving. Mm -hmm. It's seriously. It's it's insane. But the challenge as a marketer is really to try to democratize what is epic and explain what it brings or what it the value added to the existing experience that they have. Yeah, and it's interesting that you used the, the Top Gun experience, because as you were saying that, I was thinking back to a couple of weeks ago when I was watching Top Gun, and bizarrely, we've only had five episodes. This is episode number five of this podcast, and Top Gun has come up twice, right? Oh, yeah, <laughs> which, right. Is, which is bizarre. Previously, okay. I think we were talking about the volleyball scene with Danny Gusa, but yeah. that's fine. Yeah. Um, but I remember when I watched it, it was a couple of weeks ago, I was sat in the front row, the last seats that, was that were available, and their speakers were right in front of me. And in that opening scene, yeah. when the jets are taking off, you yeah. feel the bass, yeah. you, you, you felt it, yeah. so you kind of felt what was going on. Yeah. Now, Imagine in D-Box. Right, exactly. <laughs> but you told a really interesting story about how D-Box started, which was basically yeah. what I just described, right? Basically that. So it all started over 20 years ago as a company that was developing uh, speakers. And at some point in time, one of our uh, engineers was uh, seated on a, on a subwoofer and then realized that there was something there. And then that's really how it started. And the name comes after that too. D-Box, so T-H-E or D-Box. In French, it's D-Box. So it's basically that. It started as a company that was building or manufacturing uh, speakers and then the, the idea was there, and then they, they, they said, okay, let's try to do something with that. Takes, it took a couple of years to, to come up with the first product uh, in the theatrical sector, and then we had, because obviously it's something to have the hardware, but then you have to have the content. So it took us some time to convince the, um, the movie studio mm. that that new format could be of interest, because we're, we're always competing with IMAX or Dolby and all of them. And, and but our, our offer today or the experience that we provide in, in the theaters is really, really different and it's, it, it's unique. It's, uh, but it took us some time to convince those guys or those, those big players that there was something there and we've been growing since, uh, since, since that time. Right, because I suppose a lot of people might, might hear the concept and maybe make some assumptions that it's a bit of a gimmick and it doesn't yeah. really add anything to it and you do it once and then you don't want to go back and do it yeah. again. It's not a sustainable thing, yeah. it's just a one-off experience. 
But actually, the amount of science that goes into recreating this, ex this experience from what I've seen today yeah. is incredible because you're in the science of recreating feeling. Right? Yeah. So tell us about yeah. that process from like a scientific point of view. Yeah. How do you, how you, presume you start with the end result of I want the, I want the viewer to feel such and such an emotion. Yeah. Right, now how do we make these little pistons move up and down at the right rate in order to create that? What's, what's the process? Yeah. So, so the idea, as I said, is it's, it's all about the experience, but what we want to do is to make sure that the people that are seated in the device, either a rig or a movie theater seat or in, in sim training, they would have something that is really close to reality. And that's exactly what, what, what we're trying to do. We're trying to add realism to something that is, I don't want to say fake because mm -hmm. it's not fake, but I think that you, you understand what, what I mean here. And what we do is we want to make sure that those artists or those producers of game or movies and so on and so forth, we want to recreate exactly what they had in mind when they, yeah. they realized it. Bring that vision. Bring to, that vision to life, exactly. Yeah. And, and, and so when you watch a movie, you have the visual aspect, you have the audio aspect, but then we're adding, a, let's say, a third element or a third layer, which is the haptic or the, the, the body in, in immersion. So that's true in, in theatrical, that's true in sim racing as well. So we're adding realism to something that can be experienced in the real life, yeah. but we are experiencing it in, in not a real life because when you when you when you race when you're sim racing you're 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 racing, but it's it's not like if you were seated in a car. But we're trying yeah. to recreate exactly what you would experience if you would be seated in a car. But actually, I think sim racing is really unique in that of all the esports and going into esports specifically now of all the esports, I believe it's the most immersive and it's the most true to life so for example if you played call of duty or a first person yeah. shooter when you play it you're not actually running around you're not actually shooting right and the, the same with a number of other games like the um you, you know you, you were saying there about uh, sitting in the cinema and watching top gun you can feel it but you're not actually in the plane right yeah. whereas sim racing you're actually sat in a chair with a wheel that's pushing back and pedals that you're feeling force against yeah. and by adding this additional layer you're only making it more immersive right and it and you must be able to test that. So you must be able to use D-Box to recreate more of a true-to-life experience yeah. than in any other sector. Right? Sim racing, you're kind of yeah. most scientific. But I think it goes back to the fact that people, normal people are driving every day their car. They know what it is. When you go see a movie like Top Gun, for instance, you, you've, most people have never sat in a jet or in a firefighter yeah. and all of that. So it's difficult for them to figure out what's the feeling, but at least they're, we're trying to recreate what it would be for them to be seated in that yeah. jet or fighter or, but, but you're right. I think it's sim racing it because they have something to relate to that they know. Yes. I think it's that. And that's what I was about to ask. So do you ever test it? So for example, it, do you have a way of putting a, some kind of sensor in your rig, taking it around a track? at yeah. a certain speed and, yeah. and seeing how it reacts to it and then putting it in an actual car because you must it's one of those it's one of the uses of d-box that's most easily testable right yeah so what we what we do so we don't do that but what we do is we take the telemetry for the games and that telemetry is coming from discussions that they have with let's say their audience or right. their market but we take we rely on them to make sure that we can recreate 
the, 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 the experience, the real life experience, but we're using the telemetry. We're not using anything yeah, coming yeah. from those. Uh, That's really interesting. Yeah, so yeah. you actually, so you rely on the game to yeah. have recreated oh, the physics to yeah. such a point that right. actually you can use those real life physics yeah. to recreate the sensation in D-Box. Yeah. You don't need to go out on the track with no, it. No, no, exactly. So that's that's what we do. So yeah, we don't, we we have our own engineers that can add a layer, can modify it a bit. Uh, the level of, of, of vibration or the level of, of movement and all of that, but we rely initially to the telemetry coming from the game itself. Right. Yeah. And to get a bit deeper into the actual um, the movement of these actuators, you, you, you've mentioned a couple of times the word texture. Yeah. What, what do you mean by texture? Well, <laughs> uh, so we use three terms. We use uh, we use movement, which is really more let's say horizontal, and and uh, which is more vertical. And then we use vibration, and vibration. You know what it is like. Uh, there's vibration mm -hmm. when you, you go on a, when curve. a curve yeah. yeah all of that and then texture is really more in the precision of the movement something that let's say that you you um you, you're let's say uh you're um, riding your car you're driving your car on on gravel or mm -hmm. pavement yeah. so it's 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 different it's different than on concrete or pavement and so so texture is really more related to that it's it's more uh, yeah it's it, but it's a mix of all of that so what we do is we create motion but through a, a mix in different level of those three elements right okay well yeah I mean having just been on the product and, and I did the um, the one on the left where we were doing the, the rally and I yeah, noticed right. you're driving across the mud and yeah. then you're onto the grass yeah. and then you're onto to concrete yeah. and the sensation is, is completely different and yeah. I suppose that's where those three elements all those have to interact. Those three elements they interact together and yeah those are the motion cues exactly. Yeah, yeah. and it's incredibly convincing yeah. and, and something else I noticed and I, and I wonder how much feedback you've had about this is some people will say that the the, the D-Box can recreate the experience and it can enhance the experience but it's unlikely to help you with performance. So like it's, a pro eSports oh. driver might, might avoid it. But actually, what I just found mm -hmm. was that I was noticing when I was losing the back end, I think a lot quicker yeah. than had I not had it. So, yeah. so what's, what's been your feedback? Yeah, so, it, so we've made, so it's, it's, it's interesting that you're asking the question because we recently made a study with, with one of the universities in Quebec. In fact, we've conducted probably over a dozen of, of uh, scientific studies with them. And uh, one thing that we've discovered is that it's a bit like what you're saying is the fact that haptic technology in some circumstances is improving the, um, is, is improving your lot time, for instance, in some, but in some instances, specific instances, uh, not drastically, not by, let's say, 30% or 40%, mm -hmm. but it helps. So, yeah. and, and again, we're, we're, the, the, this um, scientific group is finalizing the research and will have the result in the in the coming weeks. But let's say those are some elements that they've been able to share with us uh, recently. That's going to be some incredibly interesting. Yeah. <laughs> that's going to be an incredibly interesting study yeah. to read to see yeah, yeah. to see what they say about that. But it does not improve your uh, let's say performance by fifty percent. No, but no, no, a couple no, no, of percent. No. Let's say in some cases but, it makes a difference. But maybe when you get up to those higher levels yeah. and you're 
you know, so one thing I noticed was, I, you know, and I'm by no means um, a pro driver. The people listening to this podcast who have seen the live version where I drive will know mm. that I'm not a pro mm. driver. Mm. I do my best. Mm. But something I noticed there is that as you start to turn, you start to notice the um, the load on a on a on a one side of the yeah, car starting yeah. to pick up until yeah. you kind of you get it and then you feel the grip coming yeah. in, which is a sensation that I haven't felt through force feedback as okay. much. Yeah. So so perhaps when you get to those higher levels, you can understand and translate these subtleties yeah. that you get through D-Box that you wouldn't yeah. otherwise get. I, I'm seriously, I'm not at that level of wrestling. <laughs> 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 Me neither. But, but those guys are... Uh, so if you talk to Luis Cook, for instance, who is our, yeah. one of our drivers we work with, Luis will tell you it makes a big difference. But she's a professional driver. Yes. But personally, I don't see, let's say, that difference, but she will tell you that it makes a big difference. And from pro driver that we've talked to, they, they, they love it because of that. And, and, and that's the type of precision that we bring D-Box. We bring that, those subtle movements, that texture, all of those things that make a difference for those pro drivers. Yeah, and that was going to be my next question, actually. So I went to the Sim Racing Expo last year, um, and we're going to be going again uh, this year. And You're going to meet, we're going to meet again. Oh, well, I'll see you there. <laughs> and, um, but one thing I noticed from last year is that there's a huge number of these motion simulator companies that turn up to, to the Expo. And they'll have these rigs that are on huge actuators, massive big pistons, and you see the chair flying around and rotating, and yeah. it it feels almost like it's it's they're going for experience by making you move more, so you just feel more sensation, yeah. but perhaps missing the mark a little bit in terms of the realism. realism yeah. Whereas D box mm. at the expo, mm. I noticed was a lot the, the movements were a lot smaller, a lot more subtle. Mm. But actually, everybody I spoke to and all the sim racers and streamers I spoke to said that they preferred to yeah. have that subtle that subtle movement. Is that was that a conscious decision? That was definitely a conscious decision. So whenever we develop a new product. Uh, product management, product development is involved, and we talk to the user. So we talk to our partners, we talk to Vesaro, with whom we are here today, we talk to ProRacer, we talk to Luis Cook, we talk to those people, and then we try to figure out what we need to do, and then that's in the that's why we've decided to come up with that product and and those products. And and again, I don't unless there's something else in the market that arises like a new type of race, new type of product, but we will continue to work and, and develop those one and a half, three and six inches travel because we believe that's what brings realism to sim racing experiences. So obviously uh, r uh, driving an F1 car in six inches uh, actuators, <laughs> I'm not sure that we need that, but in, in rally driving, I think it's, it's essential mm. if you are a pro driver, you need that. And the one and a half inches, it's in, in, in F1 racing. It's, 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 perfectly, it's perfectly suited or adapted to, to, to that type of, of, of race. So what do we want to do, and that's really what D-Box is, is we want to bring realism. We want to create an experience that is as close as possible to reality. Yeah, okay. And so moving away from product a little bit onto kind of branding and marketing, I find this, I find this really interesting because essentially the, the, the product is, is, is hardware base, but it creates an experience. But you, you've got a product, which is, which is actuators that are all linked up through software to, to recreate this experience that we've been discussing. But you've just come out with the new G5, or, yeah. or it's going to be coming out in, in, in the autumn yeah. uh, or the winter, uh, later on this year anyway. Yeah. What process do you go through personally as the vice president of the brand mm -hmm. to translate the hardware, you know, the kit, into a visual experience that people can watch and say, yeah, I want that. How do you, how do you translate yeah, it? Yeah, and that's really the challenge that I have, seriously, after almost two years that I've been at D-Box. 
uh, it's been a challenge, and uh, and and that's that's one reason why we decided to do data governance like we're doing today. We want to democratize the the attic. And I, we believe that the best way to do that is to talk to people like you and make sure that they understand exactly what, what it does. And that's why we've decided to bring those two rigs because in testing them, you know exactly yeah. what it is. And, and we believe that you guys are the perfect people to try to explain what it is because we've been trying to do that for many years. And it's, I'll be frank with you, it's, it's not easy. It's, uh, you, have, you really have to sit in a chair yeah. or sit in a rig to, to, to understand exactly what it is. Uh, and, and, and one thing that we've decided to do is to have just an example, and that's a, that's a basic example, but we're going to have customer feedback on the website just for people to understand exactly what it mm. is and what it brings. Because when you look at the video, yeah, you can feel a bit exact, a bit what it is, but in having some testimonial from people that, are, that have tested it or seated in the chair, I think it's the best way to convince them that they need to have active. Yeah, and on that point of collecting customer feedback, not to kind of preempt your answer, but I was about to ask how you went from the G4 to the G5. And what I mean by that is the G4 to G5 seems like an iteration. It's a G3 to G4. Sorry. G3 to G5. So G3 to G5. We, yeah, we're yes, skipping okay. one. Get that right. We'll skip, yeah. the, skip the G4. 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 We're yeah. not interested in the yeah, G4. Yeah, no, no. So we've gone from the G3 to the G5. When you decided, you know, we're going to start development now on the, on the G5, what was it that you decided, right, this needs to be different, that needs to be better, we need to move this, change that, and how did you come to those decisions? Yeah. So, so it's, it's really in talking to customers and partners. Uh, we realized that, let's say, the 110 volts versus the 230 was a bit painful for them because they had to buy, okay, I need to buy the power supply for North America. Oh, no, no, it's really the, the European one. So that's a good example. So we've decided to come up with only one power supply for both regions. And we've decided to integrate it with the actuator itself to save some space on the rig. So instead of having, so with G5, you've seen it, but yes. G5, the power supply is part of yes. the actuator. And we still have the control box, but it's way smaller. So in being way smaller, it's easier to integrate within a rig. So that's why we came up with, with that type of solution. So in talking to partners, and, and, and because our customers are the partners, it's not really, yeah, it's... It's Monsieur Tout Le Monde, or it's it's like it's the same racer, or mm -hmm. the end customer, but they're not buying directly from us. It's in talking to them that we realize, oh, if it's saving you some time, or or some time, or saving you some space on your rig, and that's easier for you, then let's try to do that. So that's that's the marketing, that's the product management, product development process. We we sit with our partners, we sit with end customers, and we try to develop something that is meeting expectations or their needs. Yeah, and, and I mean, it's painfully simple, right? In the, in the, so I've, I've just been through a, like an accelerator program for, mm. for my company to try and you know, make our product better for our customers. And basically, the number one thing that you get drilled into on day one and right at the end is listen to your customer. Yeah. And I spoke to Matt from Track Racer mm. last week, and I asked him a very similar question about how he went from one sim rig to the next. Like, how do you get creative with it? Yeah. And he said exactly the same. Well, I listen to the customers, yeah. and they tell me what they want. And then we build it. It's it's so simple, right? <laughs> but it's 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 not as simple as that because, as you know, with the COVID, manufacturing is a bit complicated. So when you develop software, it's easy. So you put a patch, and then you really you put you send a new release, and that's it. That's all. It's easy to correct. But when you develop hardware, especially in COVID times, uh, so we manufacture we manufacture in Asia, but we also manufacture in in, in Canada. We assemble everything in Canada, but. 
manufacturing a new product, finding new uh, vendors for specific hardware and all of that, it's, it's, it's not easy in COVID time. And, uh, and it's still, I'll, I'll, I'll say it's still a challenge, but I think that we're, we're on, on, a, on, the, on a good path, on the right way. And we've uh, we've, able, we've been able to secure some some uh, some uh, some parts and, and working with with good new partners, and uh, in the coming months, I think that's that's why the release of that new generation has been yeah. delayed a bit, but we're getting there and developing a new product. It's it's easy on paper, but it's never easy no. <laughs> in reality. It's yeah. really something. Yeah, else. maybe I uh, undersold it a little bit there yeah, by saying right. it's painfully simple. It's easy. Everyone should do it, right? No, no, no. Um, Stefan, thank you so much for your time. I've got one last question, um, and it's kind of about the future of D-Box, so where, where D-Box is going. So what role does D-Box have to play in sim racing specifically in the next five or 10 years? Why should sim racers yeah. keep an eye out for what yeah. D-Box is doing? There's different ways for D-Box to, to, uh, to grow that sector. Obviously, there's always the, um, the capability of adding aptic technology uh, somewhere else in the rigs um, could be done, let's say, uh, in pedal set, could be done, let's say, with seat belt, could be done, uh, I don't know where, but yeah, could yeah. be a vest, could be, I don't think we'll go to helmet, but uh, <laughs> th th there's different ways to, to, uh, to, to grow that market. Um, today you have rigs with or without actuators. Uh, you can install four uh, actuators, uh, one at each corner. You can have like two in the back and then have a pivot in the mm -hmm. front. Uh, there's potentially a way to also have, could be a platform that we put underneath where the actuators are not visible. So there's different way to grow that market uh, but but there's a, there's a bright future for D-Box and Sim Racing. We've been there for 10 years. And, and as I said, we started with theatrical, but then we realized in being in the simulation and training that there was something in sim racing. And we've been able to, to, to grow the market since then. Since then. So um, there's that. And there's could be other type of actuator also that we come up with. Could be with more travel, if the market is re requesting or requiring that. Could be with less travel, with a, providing a different experience, more affordable. So we're looking at different ways to, to go to market, and there's definitely uh, innovation and creativity is not a problem at D-Box. Yeah, <laughs> Count yeah. on me. We have, we, had, we have a lot of ideas, but we don't have uh, enough resources, human resources, or, or, or let's say, to, 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 uh, to realize all of them. We, we need to focus on specific things. Uh, the, the primary focus now is really to launch G5 uh, and, and, and support our partner with that. But then we have other products. So as I mentioned, we have, so the G5 is only for 1.5 inch, but we need to also develop it for three, for three and six inches. That's it's coming later in 22, 24, 23, 24. But uh, we're there. It's, there's a lot of, of, of opportunities and initiative. Uh, what we'll do is, is really to, to consult our partner, consult, the end customers and we'll ask them what they want and then we'll come up with that product. But D-Box has always been an innovative company. We were one of the first to provide motion in, in sim racing. Uh, and, and there's a lot of other things that we can do. We just need to focus on something and deliver, make sure that we deliver.
brilliant. Well, I'm looking forward to, to seeing it. I'm looking forward to seeing what you bring to the, the Sim Racing Expo. Okay. Thank you very much for your time. It really was a real it. pleasure and uh, we'll, uh, we'll, uh, we'll see each other at, uh, at Sim Racing Expo this year. We will. Thanks, Stefan. <laughs> Thank you. Hey, this is Chris from GridFinder. Thanks for listening to the Sim Sundays podcast. Head on over to gridfinder.com to find your spot on the grid and join sim racing leagues for all your favorite games. Just enter your preferred game, car of choice, then let us know if you'd like to race PC, Xbox, or PlayStation, and we'll give you a list of actively recruiting leagues for you to join. And if you're a league owner, post your league on GridFinder so that you run with a full grid for every race. And while you're at it, join our Discord server by going to gridfinder.com discord. Thanks for being here.